everyone, welcome back to our fourth episode. Um, we're really happy that you're joining us today because today we have a really exciting topic and by the title you can probably tell it is all about can art be judged. Um, before I really want to start on this topic, um, I found something a while back that I thought would be interesting to bring into this podcast, which is um, a question, or, or not a question, but more like 36 questions that can lead you to falling in love with someone. Have you ever heard of this before? You've mentioned it to me before, and um, maybe you've asked me some of the questions that I wouldn't know if you asked me some of the questions, because I haven't actually looked into it at all. But you have definitely mentioned it at some point to me. Okay, well, I'll explain it to you and to anyone who doesn't really know what this is. So it's basically like this study that's done by this psychologist called Arthur Aaron and a few others who came up with 36 questions, um, very specific questions, not ones that you would normally ask on like a first date, like what are you doing for a living, where do you study... What are your hobbies? Those kind of things. But 36 questions that are very like personal and intended to um, bring two people close together and two people that ideally have not really met before. Um, So I thought it would be kind of interesting, although I don't really intend to like fall in love with you, but you know, if it happens, it happens. But um, I thought it would be interesting to like give you two questions and we can just like have a quick discussion on that yep okay so um for what in your life do you feel most grateful for um i would say i'm most grateful for the opportunities that my parents have given me i feel like that's a very like typical answer no no in terms of like it's good though i feel like a lot of people would say that but Um, I wouldn't say, like, I'm grateful for, like, just everything that I've been given. I'd say, like, specifically most grateful for would be the opportunities that my parents have created for me in terms of, like, the things that they did in the past that has, have led to me being able to do things now in terms of, like, there's, like, the fact that they decided that they would leave their home country for, to start, like, off brand new with like actually like no money when they came over I think that was like a move that was very hard for them but because of that move I've been able to live like comfortable comfortably in like the last 19 years of my life and I will continue to live comfortably because of these opportunities like schooling not having to worry about like kind of making money for my family, not really having to worry that much in terms of, like, not having to drop out of school as well because a lot of my cousins back in Vietnam had to drop out of, like, high school to, like, start working and really early on, like, at 15 and stuff to support their families. And that's, like, a really important thing to me because I've been, like... Like, I... I grew up seeing studying as, like, kind of a chore. I didn't really like it. But if I look back and I see, like, the life that I've had so far versus the life that, like, some of my cousins have had in their home country, it's very different. And I I definitely do have a lot more opportunities than them to become more successful. 
Yeah. And by successful, is that money? Um, In a sense, like, financially successful, like, that's kind of not too important. Like, I don't mean, like, oh, I want to be financially successful in terms of, like, oh, becoming a millionaire. Like, I think it's, like, financially successful as in being comfortable. Okay, yeah. yeah. And not having to worry about, like, oh, how I'm going to, like, pay bills and stuff. Okay, that's good, though. Um, this is a very, like, I don't know if you're able to answer this question. We're going on a bit of a tangent here. But how would you know when, at what point in your life do you think you'll be like, okay, yes, I've definitely achieved what I want. Do you have a goal for, like, where you want to be? Like, your end goal, I guess? I don't think I have, like, a complete end goal. In terms of, like, uh, as in, like, for the rest of my life. I don't really have that kind of goal. I think, like, my goal is just to be able to set myself up so I can, like, chill and also, like, provide for my parents and kind of, like, not having to worry about money. That's actually, like, a really big part of what I want to be able to do. Emotional, like happiness emotional fulfillment I'm not really as worried about because I'm kind of like it'll happen when it happens if it doesn't happen like I don't have to do you mean like romantic relationships or just any emotional fulfillment I think like in terms of like it's more this is geared more towards like having a romantic relationship like I don't mind too much if like I don't get married at a young age, like, if I don't get to have, like, kids, it's not really a thing that I would worry about too much, because I really believe, like, if something will happen, it'll happen, if it doesn't, like, we can't really force it. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, like, there's certain things that we can work towards, like, financial, like, fulfillment, like, financial success, but there's things like emotional success that, like, you won't, you can't really, like, physically work towards it in that sense i think you definitely can i mean isn't that the whole point of like counseling therapy is like you're trying to become emotionally better and it's not just something that like you have to just wait for there are like strategies and methods that you can do to help you improve like it's like i think you can to some extent like i don't think that you can kind of like it's not something you can, for, like, kind of, like, straightforwardly work towards. Like, you know how, like, studying, you just, like, you sit down, you study, and, like, you do your exam, you do practice exams. You kind of, like, there's that way to, that way to prepare for it. But, like, personally, I don't really see a way for me to, like, kind of get emotional fulfillment in such a straightforward way. I do think that, like, um, it's a lot harder for people who are already, like, I guess happy with where they're at right now to become happier just by like um like I think to become happier if you're already at like a pretty good level that's just something that you'll have to like wait for um and let like time do its thing but if you're someone that is lacking that emotional stability and that happiness then it's then you definitely can get better by like I don't know. 
But they're they're like strategies, right? Yeah, definitely there are strategies to help people, but I just don't think it's as straightforward. So, would you say then you're more scared or excited about the future? I think I am a lot more excited in terms of like, because right now I don't feel like I'm doing very much in terms of like, I'm not really achieving that much that I can see like as something that would like change my future in a sense. It's like I'm kind of like my mentality cuts like my what my prediction for the future kind of cuts off at like graduation from uni. Yeah, that's normal. It's like, oh yeah, I'll get a job after uni, but like I can't tell what kind of job I'm going to get, what I'm going to do at my job. Like I think I'm excited because it's unknown, but I'm also it's like I'm slightly scared that I'll mess up on my way to the towards the future. Except it's like there's some point of like acceptance where like anything that happens will happen and it's like nothing I can't really prevent something that I don't know will happen. Yeah. And um, in that sense, it's like there's no point being scared of the future. Something that I'm really scared about for the future is like my career pathway. Actually, I'm really scared about the future. Um, excited too, though, because it's it's so unpredictable but I'm scared about like basically every aspect um in the near future I'm scared about getting my wisdom teeth removed because needles my mom got mad at me the other day for even suggesting to pay for an anesthetic yeah because that was an option and then she was like no you have to face your fears um but I'm I'm really scared about like career because like I'm studying well my major's marketing and then I've got science with like psychology right yeah so that's what I'll be like graduating with and I just feel like in my like marketing is the only thing that I really really enjoy because it's like creative but I don't know if there's like really good career progression with that because honestly marketing is something that I don't think requires like um I think it's something that can be taught very easily. I think people who haven't, like, graduated with a marketing degree, such as my brother, he's doing marketing jobs right now. Um, Whereas, like, it might be a bit harder to get a job in, like, um, Mm. finance if you graduated with a marketing degree. Because I feel like I slightly disagree. Which which part? Like, uh, not being able to kind of break out of, like... A degree that you're doing in terms of like your career oh no i do think commerce is easy to like to um like change pathways but i just think that marketing doesn't offer too much skill for you to be able to do that like if you started at any other like i don't know maybe i'm just like hating on marketing right now um but if you started at any other um major and you want to go into marketing it's like easy to an extent anyway. But if you started at marketing trying to branch out to others, it might be a bit harder. I guess that's true. I don't know if that's actually true or not. That's just the way that I see it. And also, like, psychology, that's not really going to help. Um, because, like, if I wanted a job in in that kind of field, I have to do, like, my um, honours too, which 
I'm not doing so. I mean, you could decide to do it later, but you don't know what you want to do later. I could. Then I'd be staying at uni for, like, for real, like, five years or something. My brother was in uni for five years. He did his honours. Oh, that's good. But I don't think I'm cut out to be a psychologist anyway. I think to be a like, I'm really interested in, like, mental health things, but I think to be a psychologist, you have to be very, like, um, mentally strong for this. Uh, I guess. And as someone once said that has scarred me, is that it is unattractive to be emotionally unstable. I should get that, like, tattered onto me. I shouldn't. But um, that's what someone said to me. And honestly, I shouldn't even, like, think twice about it because they're not even, like, a person that I'm friends with and I don't really, like, care too much about their opinion. But they said that and it's just made me, like, really think about, I don't know, I guess, like, everything about me. But anyway. um, Oh, okay. So to answer the question that I asked you, which was, um, like, for what in your life do you feel most grateful for? I would kind of go on the similar pathway to you, but um, to be more specific, I would say, like, um, like, having access to, like, clean, fresh water. It's really, like, it's, like, your first basic need, right? You know, the Maslow's triangle <laughs> pyramid even, yeah it is even before food exactly like water shelter food um they all go in the i, I forgot the word um physiological nope i don't know the word anyway it's something that you like need to survive but there are so many like kids out there so many people and like families and countries who don't have this access And I think, like, um, my parents came from Hong Kong, right? So even if I lived there, I would still have that access, but I wouldn't even be able to, like, drink out of taps and stuff. Um, So, like, if one day I just got, like, really hungry, I'd have to, like, purchase water or something. Um, Whereas, like, here in Australia, all the taps are, like, safe to drink out of, which is something that like I really appreciate because I think if I could change anything in the world it would be to make sure that every single person has access to this kind of water. I think that's also I kind of see that too because when I go back to Vietnam like we would literally like buy boxes of like bottles of water because in Vietnam I think it this is like something in a lot of Asian countries as well you just can't drink straight out of the tap. You have to like boil it right? Yeah, you have to, usually, um, boiling it is usually what, when we just need hot water. I think in Vietnam, like, not as many people drink hot water because it's so humid there. Oh, that okay. That most people just drink either ice or room, like, cold-ish water. And so, like, um, what I've noticed is a lot of my family just buys boxes of, like, 600 millish bottles of water. It's actually really wasteful in terms of, like, the amount of plastic that, like, they go through. I was gonna just bring that up, yeah. The fact that, like, so much plastic waste. I think in a lot of countries they have that filter machine. Yeah. But I don't, my, none of my family has that at, in their homes. So, like, that they only boil water when they need to, like, use it to cook stuff or when they, like, need to, like, get, make tea and stuff. Like, I don't see them having boiling water just to drink. 
but I think like it's a habit that's come from my parents like when they came over to Australia like we I only drink boiled water now me too I was actually also about to say that too I kind of feel dirty about drinking tap water even though I know that it's like safe too but it's also like there's like that taste yeah there is a taste that's different it tastes different to boiled water it does taste everyone else says that boiled water is weird too but um it tastes better than tap water okay my issue with boiled water is it takes a quite a while to cool down because i don't drink i don't like drinking hot water i like drinking iced like i'm the i'm the person that drinks iced drinks in winter okay yeah i mean i have like ice cream in winter is that is that equivalent yeah that's around equivalent um but like we don't have ice in the in the freezer because like you know how like those fancy fridges have like um that ice cube um area like designated ice area we don't really have that i have that oh okay okay um but yeah we don't have that so we just have to like stuff our ice cube tray with like all the meats in it and it's kind of gross at the same time so we don't really have ice at home Ah, so, like, my old fridge didn't have that. Like, it was the old ones before they had the automated ice maker. Like, even my current fridge, it doesn't have the automated ice maker, but it has a designated little area for me to, like, put ice Wait a second. Okay, this is going to sound really, really dumb, but, like, so, so, so you pour, like, tap water into this thing, and then, like... No, I poured boiled water. Oh, okay, okay, so you... I got roasted by my parents for putting tap water, because they were like, hey, if you're not going to drink tap water, then why are you putting tap water in your ice, which will melt in your drinks? So I was like, after that, I was like, boiled water into the ice cube tray. That's what my parents say, too. They say the ice is dirty. Would that not, like, um, ruin the freezer, though? Like, boiling water with, like, minus, what, eight? Oh, no, I don't, um... It's not right after boiling it, because, like, we have, like, a couple, um, con- like, container, th- pitchers of water. Oh, and I okay, just use okay. That, like, oh, the cooled down stuff. Same, yeah, okay. Oh, so you pour that in, and then... Yeah. You wait, like, a few hours, and you have ice. And then, like, uh, there's a twisty thing, and I twist it, and the ice goes into the tray. And then, like, I refill it. So the twisty thing, like, cuts it into, like, smaller bits. It doesn't cut it, like, um, like, so the tray already has little bits. I love how we're talking about ice in an art. I don't, I've never experienced episode. this in my life. So, I don't so, even know what an automated ice, I just know that, f- like, freezers have this, but I don't know what it, I don't know how it's used. I don't know how the automated stuff works. I know, I just know you press a button and ice comes out, but, like, that's it. That's all I know. But this one, like, um, there's an actual ice tray, like, a normal one, like, the ones that you would probably have at home. But, like, it has this little um, twisty bit which, like, flips the tray upside down. And, like, it hits, it, like, has a little bit of force where it hits something. And, like, because of that, like, hit thing, it will, like, drop ice cubes into the little bucket below. Okay. And, like, it collects ice cubes in there. And, like, I just, I make sure that I have enough all the time. My parents roast me for having so much ice at home. But I'm, like, I need it. (laughs) fancy though it's fancier than what i used to have but it's not as fancy as like the ones where you like click press a button and you get ice okay oh oh i i see what you mean it's like on the outside i've seen those yeah okay but mine is on the inside yeah yeah yeah. i think that's like my brother's too um and honestly this one question about 
what you're most grateful for. Took a lot longer than expected. So I think possibly for future episodes, we might just stick with like one question or two if the first question's boring. But now we're actually going to get into our proper um, topic, which is all about can art be judged? So just a simple question, what, how would you answer that? Um, so I, just to like, as a preface, I did VA in year 9 and 10 at school. Arts, I didn't finish, continue for year 11 and 12 because like, I just wasn't bothered to do major works. Like, it just wasn't my thing. I just did it as, like, an elective to have fun and, like, not have all my electives being really intense. So, in that time, like, I learned a lot about, like, kind of different ways to look at art. And, um, I just, it's, like, from everyone's point of view, it's gonna be different. Like, if you just asked two people in the same room to look at an artwork and see how they feel. They probably feel different things. So I don't think, like, art can be judged in the sense that there's, like, one definite kind of judgment for art. Um, And, like, I don't think art can be kind of, like, rated in terms of, like, good or bad. Yeah. But also, like... So, like... Sorry. I just don't think, like, it's not... It can be judged in the sense that, like, you can personally have a view on it. But I don't think it, it can be judged in the sense that you can give, like, prizes and you can, like, put a numerical score to an artwork. Yeah, because that would be, like, subjective, right? So your answer is that art cannot be objectively judged. Yeah. Okay. And it's really messed up because high school art is marked. Yeah, because I was going to bring that up. Because there's so many, like, different types of arts. Like, even with English, creative writing, that's considered art too. And this topic was actually brought to me um, when I was thinking about, like, a conversation that this guy had brought up in in the middle of, like, my business studies class. He basically was talking about, like, some music award that was happening at the time. Like, either AMAs, billboards, Grammys or something. It's, and he was saying how it's a bit, like, skewed. How there's just a group of people, right? who can just sit in this room and tell the artists and the judges, oh, sorry, not the judges, um, tell, like, the world and the audience that this album is better than this album. And, like, even with creative writing, um, like, HSC, you see that art is still judged. Like, um, with with visual arts, music, um, yeah, like, English too. And they do have, like, a criteria for that, though. So then do you think, like, well, okay, so I reckon if I drew a horse, okay, and if I can't draw, which I really can't, and I know it's bad, you know it's bad, and everyone else in the room know it's bad, can I then say, like, this is a bad drawing of a horse then? I mean, it depends on your intention, though. Because there's so many different types of art, like, abstract and everything. Like, if you wanted the horse to be realistic and, like, it looks nothing remotely like a horse then like you didn't really meet what you intended it to look like so like in that kind of sense it you could consider it to be bad but it could be like a different form of expression like not everyone will see a horse in the same way some people will represent it differently like um there was this section in VA where we studied the human body and how it was represented like in paintings and artworks over time 
And it's just like, a lot of the paintings weren't actually like realistic. And a lot of the more modern ones don't, aren't like, you can't tell from like first glance that it's a human. But it's like, over time you see like, oh, the, the different body parts and stuff. Like, it's not, I don't think like, just because something's not realistic, you can't, you can't, you, you're going to say like, oh, that's bad. Yeah, yeah. Because there's different forms of expression. It's also like, even if a drawing is realistic, okay, so this is a little, um, st- like, I need to give a little background to this. So, like, um, on one of my VA excursions, we were asked to, like, draw, I think, two things in as part of this assignment. And I drew, well, my first drawing was of wood. And the second one was a river view. So basically, that drawing of wood was literally like um I think we were standing at City Olympic Park like there was these like the you know the wooden oh it's hard to describe but it's just like this wooden section the poles no it was like um flooring but there was this little wooden section it was kind of old and um I just took a pretty close up picture of it. And I took that as, like, my model for what I wanted to draw, right? Like, it was literally straight up, like, I drew, like, lines across the page. And then I started, like, doing the texture of wood, like, with a pen. And basically, when my teacher didn't know how to mark that. Because, like, on one hand, it's very simplistic. But on the other hand, like, it took a long time to, like, get the texture right. It took a lot, like... And it's, like, it's actually, it looks really realistic, right? Yeah. So, like, he asked um, two of his year 12 students, I think. It was, like, some senior students to see what mark they would want to give it out of 10 because it was an assignment they had to mark it somehow. One said to give it a 3 out of 10. The other said to give it a 10 out of 10. What? Okay. Vastly different. Because someone can look at that drawing and be, like, that's too simplistic. That doesn't have anything any significance to it someone else could see like a different thing right exactly um can i just ask again what what years were you doing this uh year nine and ten. Oh, like elective right yeah um it's so different though that you actually did something in those classes because i also did visual arts but like it was the most um what is the word it's it's just a a bludge class oh bludge. right Oh, that word. Like, everyone's always a bludge class. Because there's this one particular teacher at my school who never gave assignments, right? And would just be like, okay, take the camera, take some pictures outside, bring it back when you're done. Like, and that's, like, the only words that he said, like, during the entire class. Um, I did, like, painting. I did, like, um, ceramics to... I did, like, some drawing ones, photography. The best one was wet darkroom photography. I think that was so cool. Oh, darkroom was so fun. Yeah. But, I mean, I was never good at it, though. I think in, like, visual arts... You know, like, if if you take maths, there's always, like... Like, the difference between, like, the best and the worst student in terms of marks is, like, quite different. Um, But I feel like in, in those kind of, like, creative subjects, like, everyone seems to be pretty good. And I was, I was really just an outlier there because I have pictures of my drawing still and they are, I would say they are objectively bad though. 
Um, I think also with like art, there has to be like meaning to it too. And if you're just going to draw a, like if you're just going to write a poem, right, and it doesn't really have much like emotions built onto it, then I would say that that's not as good of a poem as another one that is like very detailed, has a lot of like um, techniques to it too. Oh, I guess techniques would make it, would would be like a criteria for if art is good or bad, right? I think like, yeah, people, that's part of the objective side of judging art, um, kind of looking at the painting techniques or like the drawing techniques that people have used. But I don't think like necessarily like someone that's just sat down and just had to write something like on command without putting much emotion into it would end up being a bad piece of art or like, um, because, like, it could look really nice. It could have meaning to someone else. Like, that's the thing. Like, some images will have meaning to some people and, like, they won't have meaning to anyone else. In that sense, like, other people, when they do see it, they won't see it as art. But when, like, someone does see it as art, it's very different. Like, so then w- it's really hard to, like, kind of say this is going to be a bad piece of art because the actual original drawer doesn't ha- didn't have, like, any intention with it. Okay. Okay, so imagine this, then. Um, a whole group of students, they all draw, like, a flower or something, okay? And they're all very, very detailed, except for this one that's just, like, a one-line drawing, a very, like, the most basic kind of flower. And it's all put up against the wall, And it's like an art exhibition and everyone is agreeing that that very simple one line um, flower is the worst one. And if everyone can agree on that, will you then say that the art isn't good? No. Because haven't you heard of those like canvases like that are just like painted one solid colour being sold for like millions of I actually don't understand those. I, I feel... Do you understand those? It's like... um. I kind of get it. It's like, everyone can do that, but no one has done that. So it's about, like, being different then? It's not even about being different. It's like, for that artist, that was their form of expression. And I don't think... I just don't think forms of expression can be judged like that. Like, everyone being like, oh, I could have done that too. Like, it's kind of like, you could have done a lot of stuff. But did you do it? So then I think um, to add meaning to the art, you have to, you know how like in art galleries to have that little plaque that explains what the, what the thing is and like the meaning behind it. Yeah. So if there was um, that, that big canvas with just white and there was one that looked identical to that, but the plaques were different and one was like very um, like beautifully written with like very deep and the other one was just like I got bored and I thought wow life is so bland let me paint a white canvas right um so then I think description then adds a bit more meaning and value I don't I wouldn't say it I don't think it would add value it gives people insight yeah but then like the people are the ones to judge it but I don't think in terms of like it won't add monetary value I don't think it will like you think it would add like monetary 
um, valley? I don't think it would. But then, like, when you are buying, like, art, don't you kind of want to know, like, the the story behind it? Like, what if there was, like, a really nice piece of art, but it was, like, low-key, very racist? I don't buy art, that's a thing. Okay, it was a hypothetical anyway. Um, like, I think meaning would add, would make people want to buy it. I think, like, yeah, meaning would encourage to some extent, but I don't think that the value, like, the value for different people will be different. Okay. Because if something really resonates with someone, then, like, um, it would have a lot more value to them, but it would, like, something, like, let's say... You had a kind of, like, let's say, like, what do I have? Let's say you had a pen, right? Yeah. To someone, it could just be a random pen, and, like, it's a dollar or something. But that pen, to someone else, could also have been, like, a gift or, like, linked to some sort of memory, and that would be worth so much more to that person. Like, they would be willing to pay that much more. They value it that much more. So, in that sense, it's, like, I don't think you can just, like, put a single price on something. Exactly. Because it's still the same object, technically. It's just... It is. But that's what I'm saying. Like, the, there's... Um, how people perceive it will give the... Will change its value of that But it won't change item. the realistic value that is put out there. Like, you know how, like, um, some paintings are, like, kind of, like, said to be valued at, like, certain amount i don't think that one amount defines it okay okay that's kind of because like it's like these different values aren't really publicly like shown because the value that you see is the value that like critics and stuff put on it like not individuals like it's kind of the value is something that's agreed upon by like a number a few people not all the people to be honest i do kind of agree with you on that um, I don't do any, like, visual arts now. Um, never really was too into that, but I would say that I'm more into, like, the, um, writing part of art, because I do write, like, poems and stuff. Oh my gosh. Sorry. It's like, no one writes poems, (laughs) but, um, so I have, like, these poems, and I don't know if they're good or not, and I watch this, um, or I read this, like, blog thing about, like, what makes a good poem, and it's all about, like, technique and stuff, and, like, I tried to include that in, but the thing is, like, I reckon if I didn't have that kind of technique in, I would still like it the same amount, because the meaning is still the same to me, right? So, anyway, my point is that I just, I guess, like, yeah, I don't think art can be objectively judged then. I mean, it's like that meme, you know, the one's like, oh, the curtain is blue. Like, the author wrote the curtain is blue because they were like, oh, yeah. let's, I don't know what colour to make this curtain, let's make it blue. And then, like, school teachers are no, like, I, I know. Yeah, yeah. ah, the curtain's blue, they're sad, it's blue symbolises for, like, sadness and stuff. Like, um, it's that kind of thing, like, whether or not it's intended, it would just be different for different people. That's what I've always thought. Like, um... Whenever I'm, like, uh, like in English, when we were, like, studying texts, I all, I, how can one author just come up with this really extravagant plot and have all these metaphors in there? And, like, I, I genuinely feel like people have just made up things over time. 
and just like added to it. I think because I just yeah. Like I feel like okay, let's if we're talking about like just in general the analysis that like people have done on works before, I'd say like a lot of the analysis still kind of preserves the original meaning. It's like I think sometimes when these authors and artists like make their paintings like they don't necessarily have to do it with the intention of like oh i gotta stick a metaphor in here like i've gotta make this represent this rather than like doing it like that it's just stuff that has come naturally so metaphors just come naturally their way of expression metaphors just come naturally like it's like for some like they don't have to like straight up be like oh what can i use to represent this it's kind of more like an element of that past or something that like came up when they were writing on like then they put that in it doesn't have to be like okay i'm gonna plan out this story and like i have to have like 50 metaphors and these are all my metaphors i'm gonna put in i guess like definitely not every single author out there but honestly you know that meme you were talking about i'm honestly like the english teachers because i love like deciphering images text and like finding like meanings to things um, it actually started off when, okay, so I developed this really bad habit of, like, bullshitting everything in high school, okay? I think everyone did And that. I would just, like, half listen in English. And so whenever it got to, like, the analyzing part, I would just pick out random things and just, like, find, like, meanings to it. Even though, like, I wasn't, like, I don't know, I would just, like, do that. Um, which is actually why... I really wanted to do marketing because I feel like marketing is kind of similar to that where it's like there's a, there's always like a hidden meaning to like um like ad campaigns and stuff like that and even like a like the color or like when you have events like the 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 theme of it there's like it gives meaning to the entire there's thing like- color theory and like different colors appeal to different emotions yeah and stuff i just like find that, it really right? interesting yeah. to like like i kind of see that yeah i really remember like uh what my english teacher in year 11 and 12 i had her for english and english extension but i dropped extension like halfway through year 12 but basically Wait, she said like did? yeah everything that like um we analyze in class it's a possible meaning it's not really, like, a definite thing. Like, a lot of the time when she analysed stuff with us, she would give us multiple things. Like, it could mean this, it could mean this, it could mean this, or it could mean nothing. Like, she was kind of, like, staying open-minded about it. Yeah. Like, she tried to keep, like, she kept all the analysis kind of in line with the overall, like, kind of point that the author was trying to make. But, like, she didn't, she she knew about the meme. And she was like, yeah, I get the meme, like, a lot of the stuff that we do talk about might not have that meaning, but, like, the essays that we write aren't about, like, exactly... It's, like, not really about what the author did. It's more, like, how we viewed their te- oh, yeah, the author's yeah. text and, like, what we saw the purpose of the author was. And, like, when you're writing your essay, you can still, like, get really good marks, even if you don't agree with, like, what the teacher has taught you. Or what, like, is said online. Like, as long as you perceive it in this way and you can justify it, then you can still get your marks, right? Yeah. I don't think this is just limited to, like, creativity. Because, like, anything that can have opinions... I think we're deviating from the actual, like, art sense. 
but um, anything that is created could be very good in a sense like even if it's different or if it fits in with everyone else it still could be very good yeah and like be worth a lot or like get high marks like in the sense like um i think i remember year 11 there was this economics essay that i wrote um it was like one of those things where like it was a it was an assessment task and we got to we got the question beforehand and we got five lines on this piece of paper given piece of paper that we could put in like notes that we wanted to bring in yeah to the exam and we had 40 minutes to write our response and um basically usually you would put like your case studies and your stats in that yeah and basically um i think it was something about like are free markets good and i said i think everyone went to the path to say they were bad no, I, everyone went to say they were good, because theoretically they're good. But I went and said they were bad. And everyone around me said they were good. And I was like, crap, I'm going to get a really shitty mark. Like, I'm not going to do well in this assessment. But I ended up getting, coming second. Oh my gosh. Like, it's kind of, it's not really, that really taught me, like, it's not about how you see something. It's about how you justify it. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a um problem with, like, school students is that I don't think that they're really learning um it's just kind of like memorizing what the teacher has taught you rather than like viewing it in your own perspective um because everyone ends up like writing the same thing then which is gonna be like um in school like a lot of teachers like go through stuff with you and they really hold your hand yeah yeah and, like, in that sense, like, they're going to give you a lot of things. I think I got lucky because my teacher was, like, analyze this thing yourself. Like, I don't care. Like, um, it was more like she guided us instead of telling us what to do. Your English teacher? Yeah. And I was really, like, happy about that. And I kind of, like, didn't appreciate it at the time because I was like, just give me the answer. I don't want to do this. But now I'm, like. Yeah, that's what people are so used to, though. Yeah, everyone's so used to, like, just being given the answer. And I think, like, when you're younger, you don't really have any appreciation for that. But, like, now I do appreciate that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, Especially in, like, uh, the senior years, when teachers actually, like, start to care and, like, you start to care too, you're going to notice, like, exactly what is a good teacher, what's a bad teacher. Because I had a really, really good English teacher throughout year 11 and 12 who would kind of, like, do the same. Um, He taught us, like... I swear he taught us, like, everything there was to know. Um, and I swear, like, when he taught us, I didn't really pay too much attention until, like, I decided to, like, read this book later on um, that taught you how to, like, structure um, your answers. And I was like, wait a second, this is exactly what my teacher taught me. And he ended up being, like, one of the best teachers I've ever had, which I'm really grateful for. I swear everyone had, like, a good English teacher, though. No. What? Oh, oh, when you... When you switched again. When you dropped, I mean. No, when I dropped, I still had the same teacher. But, like, um, I've had teachers in the past that weren't that great. I think, like, bringing this back to art as well, um... I just think nothing can be judged. I mean, that's why there's, like, reflections, though, right? That make it a bit more easier to mark. 
like we were told that like um apparently like teachers do look at your reflections when they mark stuff yeah and um to like kind of adjust their marks because maybe they do just didn't see it your way because i wrote this really like fancy creative writing and it was about this wait what was it about i can't even i think it was about this girl whose mom just like passed away all my creatives were a bit like sad and depressing anyway so um, oh we were told to just not include any death really or like like certain topics that shouldn't be put in oh wow i saw all of mine okay so it was about this girl who was just like sitting on the roof reminiscing about her mom um and there was like one part of it where um she she was thinking back to like her counseling sessions and i was like describing the room as like it was like white walls with like a silver um border around the walls and in my head i was like wow that's so smart because it's like um like a cloud with a silver lining i think i described it as like fluffy or something and i was like wait a second no one is ever going to pick up on this though i just feel like i create and like and if they just like looked past all of these kind of um things that i included into my creative then they're gonna think that it's just really really bad so like i think that the reflection makes it um at least somewhat like objective to mark yeah it like i think it's like it's like kind of that you know the little plaque next to an artwork it's basically that yeah for your creative it's like it gives the person inside and like puts the part the like audience in your shoes and i think okay that's a really important part of anything that's creative yeah yeah but okay, if you're saying that the reflection is a, is the same as the plaque, then doesn't that also mean that the price value you've placed on it is equivalent to the marks that you've given? Because then you would be agreeing with me by saying that that the the meaning gives value. The meaning does give value. I think like I just don't think creatives can be marked either like no matter how much insight the reflection does give it does help justify marks yeah but i don't think it's the like definitive like way to mark because if you you know how like in senior years a lot everything is double marked oh yeah yeah that makes it a bit better too though yeah i noticed that a lot of the times two markers will give like slightly different marks or like quite different marks Especially in English, like, never in maths, because maths is like, there's one answer, there's working out, if yeah. you're working out is correct and follows the, the thing, that's fine. But in English, it's like, there's a lot of, like, disagreements between different people about how good something is and how well it should be marked. I think, like, we can all universally appreciate, like, something that's full marks, but I don't think, like, we can, like, kind of say, because that person is, like, definitely better than someone else's like that person's work is definitely better than someone else's yeah yeah okay then and like it's also if you look in history like i feel like there are a lot of artworks out there that are famous because they're associated with someone's name yeah but i also think that you can also apply that same like philosophy to like 
items like bags or something where like a chanel bag is so expensive and a lot of that is because of the brand chanel and like i think there was a lot of stuff about like um i think i read articles before that like brand some brands have been called out for like kind of continuously repeating their designs and like only changing it a little bit and then slapping their brand on it yeah and that gives it value over like some actual other designs and i think like um it's becoming less and less relevant now in terms of like there's so many dupes out there and like brands that have come out with really similar designs without the logo and a different price tag like i don't think you can justify a three thousand dollar but that's a bit unethical then it is if they just copy yeah it is unethical in the sense that like um it's a copy but i think it's also like do you would you ever know be able to find out who designed it first well wouldn't it be like a group of people like there are definitely there are definitely like ones that are actually created to copy um kind of a design yeah but there's also like to what extent is something an inspiration oh okay okay i see I think there's like a fine line there though. It's like that's kind of hard to like. There's um there's, I think in a lot of like those Asian markets, you can see you can obviously see that they try to like change the um logo a little bit to make it seem like it's not that yeah. brand, but it also could come off as that brand. But like I think there are genuine ones where like, it's just an inspiration for the design, and it's not necessarily exactly the same. Like maybe that like um. It's, like, recreating parts of that design with different elements, like, putting their own spice into it. But, like, you would never know as a consumer. I think, I like, I don't think you would know too much about this. But, um, like, the Beauty Blender was, like, the brand Beauty Blender, when it came out with the sponge, it was, like, revolutionary. Oh, yeah, I heard about it. Because no one has ever done that before. Everyone before that had just used, like, a dry sponge. Whereas this one, you, like, wet and you blend it in. And now every single brand, every single, like, cosmetic brand out there has their own version. But no one ever got angry about it, that they just stole this idea. But then when it comes to, like, other things where, like, it's... Where, like, the packaging either looks the same or, like, the same kind of colours, then everyone just gets mad about it. I feel like... I don't I just don't understand like why some people get mad about this and not that. I just think like we will ne- we as consumers will never know to what extent something is plagiarism or to what extent something is inspiration. Like um I think I heard about this before. It's like there's a point where like you just don't remember where you've seen something before but like you put it in your work. And sometimes you would get called out for like plagiarizing something but it's like I think it's all about intention, but we we as consumers don't know the intention of the person that designed the objects. Uh, I don't think intentions really. Like, isn't it just like we'll, to... not everyone will get? Oh wait, what are we talking about? Are we talking about like um like products though, or products that are being designed? I think that's also like an expression of creativity for some people, for like the designers. I think like it's just like it's not everyone it's not like everyone buys a product after having met the designer and knowing what the story is about i'd say like some people definitely do do that but not everyone does some people just mostly buy it for the brand oh we also forgot to 
say um to like comment and subscribe if you're watching from youtube um i think we were meant to say that early on but um also did you say that apple podcast is also up now oh uh, yeah apple podcast is up now um so like we're our recording slightly out of order because this is episode four but we haven't recorded episode three yet where we're recording it after this but uh apple podcast recently got reviewed and like um it was given the okay it's gone ahead we have our podcast out on apple podcast now so if everyone could like rate five stars and leave a review that would be very appreciated or rate how you want to rate it and then give us feedback on how we can improve which is honestly really appreciated because um i have a friend his name's david and he like texted me one night and was just like hey i have like a few um pointers which i've actually like taken into consideration so it's really like helpful when you guys like give feedback and tell us like what you like and what you don't like um and with this we should probably just wrap up our episode because it's getting close to an hour now yep and so okay so thank you everyone for listening to the fourth episode of this podcast it's actually been a pretty wild ride now and um yeah we would just like to give our appreciation to those that have been listening to every single episode so far and don't forget to like comment and subscribe and rate our podcast on apple Podcasts. remember that you can message us on our instagram if you have feedback or if you just don't want to post anything publicly which is two dot friendless friends and just make up make sure to follow us there for updates as well because we do put out reminders there when episodes do come out and just to a reminder of our schedule we um this is in sydney time australia sydney time oh yeah we um, have global we, listeners. new episodes come out on sundays at 1 p.m yeah um and but there is a bit of delay with the apple podcast and spotify release i think because i noticed it last week oh okay okay um also if you do decide to dm us on the instagram most like uh i mean both kelly and i are gonna see it because we both have access to the account but mostly it's run by me um but yeah i don't know if that makes it different at all yes um anyway so yeah once again thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll see you next week bye 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 guys Mm -hmm.